Welcome to Tallboy and Moose, Dave. How are we? Doing all right? Good. Yeah. You were at the doctor's. Are you okay? Uh, everything's fine. Fantastic. I don't want to bring my medical history up on the podcast, okay. but everything's okay. fine. Thank you. Appreciate the concern. Um, we've got Tallboy and Moose. I just looked at you guys around the wrong way. Um, Tallboy in the form of Dan and Moose in the form of Steve. How are you guys going? Very well. I got Great that around the right way, didn't I? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, that's yeah. Right. yeah. Um, why Tallboy and why Moose? The listeners can't see how tall you are, obviously. <laughs> Do you want me to take that one? Yeah, sure. um, I guess we had, well, if you want to be, you know, strip it back, he's tall and I'm Canadian. So that's, you know, the fundamentals. But we had been throwing around a lot of different names for for our brewery. I was about to say our podcast. <laughs> um, my girlfriend, who has named a lot of our beers in the past when we couldn't come up with any decent names, came up with this name as well. And we just thought that it sounded fun and, um, I don't know, kind of quirky, but a good representation of us and not us at the same time. Like, you know, I've never been called Moose before, for example. <laughs> um, I, I don't really ascribe to inventing my own nickname or anything like that and now people are starting to call me that which is a bit strange um if you if you knew that would you have chosen something better like snake or something yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, nah, i mean i uh, technically i didn't choose that name for myself yeah so um yeah i don't know i'm okay with it <laughs> okay yeah and and dad you're obviously tall that's right, being, yeah, being yeah, a tall yeah. one. So. You've also uh, got a bit of an accent. Where about are you from? I'm from the northeast of the UK, so cool. a little city called Durham. If you awesome. come across that one, it's beautiful. Get there one day. Awesome. Uh, um, what brought you both to Australia and then how did you guys meet and then how did you guys start a brewery? Go. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'll, I'll start where I, I, I came to Australia in December 2011. Um, I came for Christmas. Uh, my sister lives here and my then girlfriend, now wife, her, her sister lives here as well. And so we came out for a family Christmas um, with the intention of not staying and moving on to pastures new. We were going to go to New Zealand and then, you know, just yada, yada, yada. And then within, I guess, about two weeks of us being here, having a lot of parties um it was decided that this was the place that we were going to be for a while um so we stayed and worked out how we could do that and yeah a few years later here we are what um, did you both do back home um for jobs yeah uh, i i was an ecologist okay so um i worked in uh, environmental protection uh, so looking and particularly protected species and wildlife so I used to run around in the countryside in the UK um, chasing protected animals and looking at um, endangered plants and things like that so that's what I used to do and yeah came to Australia and couldn't find work uh, was that the plan though to uh, yeah it was initially yeah I was going to look for you know, being being an ecologist over here, but my my background has got nothing to do with native flora, flora and fauna of Australia. So uh, immediately, I was like, "Yeah, you're you you have experience, but not that's relevant to here." So, you know, just fell back on drink. So, <laughs> what did your wife do? Uh, she's a landscape architect and urban designer. So yeah, she she did find work. So she she found work in a consultancy in in on Johnson Street in Fitzroy. 
Uh, and I ended up working in McCoppins on Fitzroy opposite her work. So we literally wave at each other. <laughs> um, how we met, though, was um, I when I first came here, I put my hand up for doing some work at Moondog. And they decided that um, I was young and fun enough to join their merry band of miscreants. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and then Steve walked in into my life and into Moondog. <laughs> How did you get to Moondog from uh, Canada? So I worked for a brewery back in Canada. Um, I was a brand manager, so I worked on the marketing side. was made redundant uh, in 2010 or so. Um, I had watched various rounds of redundancies happen all around me, and eventually I got sort of washed out as well. So I, at that stage, I did some traveling, traveled for about a year and a half. And then after traveling for an extended period, decided that I wanted to keep traveling, but also needed to get a job. Uh, a lot of my travel was surf oriented. So I was surfing in a lot of different places. And I decided Australia seemed like an ideal place to go to do some surfing and try and get a job for Canadians. The visa is easy to get. You don't have to learn a new language. So um, it seemed realistic. Uh, coming to Melbourne was a total coin toss. Um, but as soon as I landed here, I felt very comfortable and met some nice people and started making friends. And, um, and, and after being made redundant in a, a marketing role at a brewery, um, I, I spending some, so I was in Toronto. I spent some time there without a job and started homebrewing with one of my friends. And so, uh, I really wanted to get a job here on the production side. So I hit up all these different breweries and everyone said, you know, you can come and help us bottle and we'll pay you in a couple cases of beer or something. And I was like, yeah, great. Thanks. But no, thanks. And Moondog said, we don't have any job going, but you can come hang out if you want. And I was living in Richmond at the time. Did they have a bar like, at that point? No, no. Okay, was I was going like, to say. This, this was in 2012. Yeah, so um, it'd be about 10 months after they put out their first commercial beer. So yeah, yeah. It was, it was, at that point, yeah. that was a cool place to hang out. Absolutely. It was. Yeah. It was very cool. And even before I came to Australia, I was looking at all of the breweries in Melbourne and Moondog was doing this was doing the stuff that I wanted to be doing. Like that's where I wanted to be. And, you know, reading about Skunk Works, which I think was their first beer, like double IPA, cognac barrel aged. I was like, yeah, that's my kind of thing, right? They said, you can come hang out if you want. And I was like, yeah, done. And then I went and hung out and they're like, yeah, we're brewing some beer, you know, tomorrow. You can come and hang out and brew beer with us if you want. I was like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I came back and we brew. Well, I didn't brew anything, but Dan and uh, Carl made the Great American Challenge. Um, and yeah, so then through hanging out for two days, basically, and then we kept in touch and and started, um, I don't know tinkering with ideas I guess talking about beer and talking about ideas and and we were sort of on the same wavelength in terms of uh stuff that interested us in in relation to beer and where Australia seemed to be at in the beer spectrum um and you know where we could squeeze into that I suppose and 
where do you squeeze into that? Can you can you tell us about? I guess this has been open how long? Six months now, roughly. Not even five months. Yeah, cool. Yeah. So, how does this fit into that that greater Australian or Melbourne beer scene? I think um, from from when Steve and I st- first started um, experimenting with brewing. So be- prior to this, we we had a small nano project called Make Beer. Um, where essentially we, we got together and we made, um, kind of a bit avant-garde, quite experimental beers in essentially my back garden or Steve's back garden. And we tried as hard as we could to sell that into a few venues throughout the city. Um, and I think from that moment we started talking about, well, if we were to ever progress this further and actually have a premise we would always look at the brew pub model um and that was the the area that we always thought that's where australia is lacking at the moment and and particularly melbourne um yeah there are brew pubs here there have been throughout the the decades but it's still a very much a, a small part of the beer culture within within Melbourne and in Australia. So we thought the brew pub was underrepresented, and and this is us talking about ideas like three years ago. And so um, the nano brewing project was us dipping our toe in the water. It was a low cost of entry um, way of making really weird beer. Um, with strange ingredients and and seeing if we could sell it to people and we could. Um, what were some of the beers you made under Make Beer? Because it rings a bell, but I can't remember any of the beers. We did about thirty or so different yeah. beers. Yeah. Um, a varying quality. Yeah, definitely. And, <laughs> and so we did. What were some of the favorites? So the first beer we ever made with Make Beer was called Deep Steep. It was an American Amber with chamomile. And we actually, that was the first beer we made for Tallboy and Moose as well, um, under Tallboy and Moose. And then beyond that, some other good ones, we did Florida Grove, which was an American wheat with citrus. We did uh, Siam Steam, which was a steam ale with lemongrass and kefir lime. We did Bangkok Nights, which was the black version of Siam Steam. So we used Carafa Special 2, which is a dehusked black malt that adds color but not dark malt flavor we actually used midnight wheat on that one oh was it i thought it was correct no it was midnight wheat so again (laughs) yeah but anyway um you said it with conviction i believed you that was a black steam ale (laughs) if that such a thing exists sure Uh, that's what brewing beer is all about yeah yeah. (laughs) it was kind of more like what's the the german schwartz beer yeah yeah it's kind of going down on it um and um, what else did we do? Young Bluey was a red ale with uh, roasted uh, yam and sweet potato. We did uh, Chimera was a India brown ale with chai spice. We did uh, some of the best were the Russian Imperial Stouts. We made some killer Russian Imperial Stouts. So uh, Parisian in Moscow was a Russian Imperial Stout with vanilla bean and coffee and then a russian in kentucky was a russian sure. imperial stout <laughs> with <laughs> bourbon oak I'm, yeah. sen- I'm sensing a theme in these beers uh it's, it's a beer with with an extra ingredient correct, uh, correct. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah that was kind of <laughs> like yeah that and was. we like right now we're doing an amber lager yeah. 
which is, I think, from what it tastes, pretty much down the line. There's no extra ingredients in here, or are there? Uh, no. No. Yeah, cool. Um, so, like, have you carried over that kind of experimental Tall, side here? or Tallboy and Moose is very much an evolution beyond what we were doing with Make Beer. Make Beer was about let's make the weirdest crap that nobody else is doing. It wasn't all crap, though. Uh, so. No, the weirdest <laughs> delicious beer. Um, you know, I was talking to some people the other day about pilot batches and some brewers will tell you, oh, we brewed this beer, you know, 500 times in our back shed and we've perfected this recipe and so on and so forth. And, um, yeah, we don't really do that. We just hammer out an awesome beer. I love <laughs> that. Concept. It's a good model to use actually. Yeah. I don't know why more, more brewers don't pick it up. Yeah, just, just do an awesome beer every yeah. time. Yeah. <laughs> it's weird, you know. Um, so what is your batch size here? Because you've got a bit of a, an interesting looking brewery. Yeah, so um, I was, as I was explaining to, to Dave earlier when we were down in the brew house, we, I, I, having worked at Moondog, I, I took their philosophy in, in terms of brew house design to heart. And so built our brewery around, on the hot side anyway, on our ex-dairy tanks. So our mash tun is 1300 liters and our kettle is 1500. So we can get into our fermenter with a small dilution, about 1500 liters is the max that we put in there. Um, gets a little bit messy, um, spewing out the top, but that's the biggest we've gone. But the way that I specified our, our fermenters allows us to have half batches as well. So we can go down to about 600 liters. So we have independent jackets on the top and the bottom of the, of the fermenters, which is quite uncommon for a fermenter of that size. They're usually one, one temperature probe, but that was something that I learned from Hawkers, whereas previously that, you know, having independent control over different zones of your fermenter really helps. So how does that help? What's the... Well, it allow, effectively, it means that I've got two temperature control um, areas. And so I can differentiate the temperature between the top and the bottom of the tank. So if I want to start flocking yeast and pulling out um, hops or anything like that, I can do that, but without um, pulling the whole temperature of the tank down. So I get a good extraction on dry hop, for example. So, but without having too much yeast load in there, so, which removes um, a dry hops efficiency. And then likewise, I've, I've got two zones. So if I only want to half fill it, I can still control it without having the top, uh, top jacket flicking on and off at the same time. So I've effectively got two fermenters in one. So yeah. Just a little quirk, which didn't really cost us anything else um, anymore, but it was just sort of like me thinking and seeing what other people have done and, and the design of tanks from, from much larger breweries and then applying that to uh, tiny little tanks. So, yeah. Uh, and so you've gone with the, the sort of the brew pub model as well. So you're getting your, your beers straight onto tap, basically. Is that kind of where you see Tallboy and Moose always being just a, a sort of a brew pub or you, you want to expand? Outside of it, there's a grin going on there. Is that a grin? That you're <laughs> I, I, at this stage, I don't think we really know. I think we're just... We, um, the Crafty Pint just put out an article a couple days ago about starting a brewery. And one of the primary things I contributed to that idea of starting a brewery is you need to be flexible. And you have to have, you know, potentially multiple channels for your business to operate. And so we started this business with flexibility in mind. We had multiple business models for how we would execute uh, based on how things went. 
Um, we didn't know how the bar was going to go. Um, we didn't know what the you know, consumer demand would be for our beers. You know, we didn't know if everyone was going to be knocking down our door trying to get our beers on tap or into their shops or whatever. And so we had uh, a few different ideas of how we could go about doing things. So we're still in that same mindset. So we are operating the brew pub. It's going really well. Um, if we wanted to double capacity and hire a sales team, we could. Um, we're not doing that right now, but there's lots of room for scope. You know, we could take out a, another, we could mortgage Dan's house and take out <laughs> a massive <laughs> loan and buy a super slick packaging line and, you know, buy a couple more fermenters and then pump out heaps more beer than we're making at the moment. Um, but yeah. We've definitely talked about, you know, our varying business plans and how we're going and, you know, where we're going and all that sort of stuff. So it's just in flux, I guess. You mentioned it to me earlier that um, about half your uh, beer production is the cream ale at the moment. Is that the case if you don't have a brew pub facility? Uh, I wouldn't say half. Oh, a significant it's, amount. It's a significant. Uh, yeah, um, maybe I was slightly overstating, but it's it's a very popular beer, and and so we'll keep brewing it, um, whether or not it would um, that if, if any of the beers that we were going to take to package, that would probably be the first one. It's become our only, you know, staple, our core. I don't like to say core because it's one beer. Uh, and, and it's not necessarily a, a really good representation of what we can offer across our bar, but it, it's very, very popular. So when you have the tap room, like it's sort of out of your hands, what becomes the most popular stuff, right? Absolutely. 100%. Yeah. We, we, we never thought that a beer like that would be the one that would drive the most sales. Um, we sort of, I don't know whether it was... Having said that, it's not surprising that it does. <laughs> yeah, totally. I mean, it's an incredibly approachable, really easy drinking beer. But at the same time, we were kind of thinking, well, maybe we'll be slightly more pointy end of craft and it will all be just having to pump out loads of double IPAs and Imperial Stouts and, you know, be the next Russian River or what have you. But um, yeah, look, uh, a really approachable beer is winning. It's one of the decisions you have to make. Like we could have opened. So we opened with four beers. We had cream ale, table pale, which was a table beer. So mid strength, hoppy thing. We had a single hot pale ale called only Ella. And then we had deep steep, um, which was kind of the curveball of the four. We thought was quite safe because we knew the beer and we knew what it was going to taste like and we knew it would sell well. Um, we could have decided to open with a, you know, sour beer, triple IPA, um, oaked something with fruit yeah. and something else. And then, you know, who the hell knows who would have walked in the door or I'll tell you who would have walked in the door. Box tickers would have walked in the door and then they would have walked out and, and then they would have said box ticked. Thank mm -hmm. you very much. Whereas what we want to do is become, you know, hopefully something that our locals want to hang out a space where our locals want to hang out on a regular basis so you know you do need a certain amount of drinkability and approachability in order to do that so cream ale it stylistically makes sense for 
Australia and I guess drinking in a bar, but it's probably not one that people brew in Australia a lot. Uh, can you guys tell me about yours? It's a very, very straightforward beer to make. Um, and I'm surprised that it's not more popular in Australia and, you know, the, the German equivalent which is Kolsch um, has become far more popular and been kind of the brew pub staple if you go to North America though um, that's what's in every brew pub is a blonde ale or a cream ale and essentially it's a it's an, an ale malt base with a touch of corn to really dry it out and make it more drinkable um, we bitter it is traditionally bittered with um, one of the traditional US hops, so like nugget or something like that. Um, but we decided to throw a little bit of a, um, a European cur- yeah, a European slant. Um, so we put Magnum for bittering, and then we finish it off with um, Styrian Goldings, which is the Slovenian hop, and the particular variety we have is Celia. So, and it just gives that really nice sort of earthy tones to it, which just people really like it. it it's just a very straightforward beer and just well represented in, in what we're producing. Yeah, it's dry and pale. And if people don't want to think about it, they don't have to. And it drinks easy. Um, if they if someone does want to think about it, there is hop character and there is a touch of bitterness to keep it in balance. So if you do want to think about it, there's stuff happening there. It's unique in that facet. Um, I don't know. I think there are beers of similar style in Australia. People just call it golden ale. Uh, Often the golden ales have a bit more of a fruity new world slant to them, Um, or they call it, you know, Kolsch maybe. Blonde ale. Or blonde. You know, that kind um, of thing. Or or draft, you know. so with a cream ale, it's kind of always the corn that kind of sets it apart typically. Is that accurate? Um, yeah. I mean, traditionally you wouldn't even use corn from what, I, from what I've read. It was, it was just literally, you know, a very simple, straightforward base, base malt and a little bit of hops just to make that really, really uh, easy drinking beer. Uh, and that's because it's, it's a style that we hadn't seen much in Australia, we Steve was particularly driving that one and said, we should do this. This is something which he's had quite a lot. It's, it's, there are, they exist in, in Canada. They're fairly prolific over there. So he's like, yeah, it's just an easy drinking beer and it will sell well. Some of the classic. So I grew up and lived in Toronto for most of my life. And some of the classic sort of microbreweries back in Canada make cream ales. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of like, there's quite a few cream ale flagships like Muskoka cream. Muskoka brewing company is, is a, they're in a sort of cottage country North of Toronto and that's classic and it's just easy drinking kind of summer beer, but it's not, it's not fruity hoppy. Um, it's just got, you know, really clean profile, pale, dry and the bitterness uh, now that I I didn't know anything about beer then, but now that I know a little bit about beer, is more in the traditional end of the spectrum. So kind of noble or, you know, not fruity, dank, whatever. Yeah. Restrained. Yeah. <laughs> Just restrained. Yeah. <laughs> when you guys were looking uh, at uh, your premises, where were you thinking about? What was in the in mind? We looked all over the north. I think we, we, we'd never, we both live in the north of Melbourne and we were looking all over the north and um, yeah, this spot came up at, 
This is where the plot thickens a little bit. I live about 50 meters from here. Um, and so I spotted this up for rent and was just like, if this is, if this is affordable and, you know, within, within the realms of possibility, then this would be a really good location. Because this is what the south of Preston, is that right? Yeah. So we're in this strange little pocket just south of Bell, um, between uh, Bell and Dundas Street, um, which is still Preston. Whereas a lot of people probably think we're actually Thornbury, um, but we are actually Preston. So, but we are south of Bell, which, you know, everyone wants to be apparently. So, so you're um, sort of in a pretty strong um, beer area, but still it's a pretty uh, emerging sort of locale. So did that influence the sorts of beers that you wanted to design? Um, I think the main driver in terms of the beers that we decided to make was let's make some let's make some varying styles that you know are going to drink fairly easily um and see what happens and so then the people came in the door and it was very clear what they were you know steering towards and we had a guest tap um and we will continue to have guest beers on and the guest taps role was to put on weirder things that we weren't we didn't have at that time when we first opened um and we've tinkered with different stuff and so some of the weirder things took a little bit longer to move stuff i mean not even that weird like one of the one of the one of the early beers that we put on was hawker's saison and um and that's not a hard beer to drink it's delicious it's light and um uh it's not that crazy but you know for some reason um you know it, it it took a little bit longer than say uh some of the others I, there are some curveball beers that moved really fast like we had two birds taco on and it just went mental yeah just <laughs> so like, literally straight um, out of the door. and that's not the most i mean it's very easy drinking but it's not the most straightforward beer ever but it also has a fun name though <laughs> exactly yeah, 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 yeah. 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 yeah and it's it's amazing like that's that just when you're saying about names like we we have deliberately started to think far more about what we call our beers in terms of you know styles if you put a beer on which people don't recognize it will sit there so so the yeah. main difference so for instance we were brewing a belgian single or a belgian pale ale um and rather than call it we were afraid that people wouldn't either recognize what that is stylistically um or that they'd be afraid of a belgian uh potentially and so we call it euro pale and it's gone mental <laughs> and so it's funny what a name can do mm. what's what's your demographic like is it hyper local yeah yeah we've been i would i would say so that um we've been really fortunate that we've been incredibly well received by locals and a lot of our, uh, all of our repeat business is, is local people um the demographic around here is young families and so i don't know whether you notice but we have deliberately catered for that we've put a, a a kids area at the back deliberately because we're like well if if we want to capture that market we need to cater for families um so being able to come to a bar which is not you know some daggy you know whatever and then and then bring the kids um as well and have a good beer then 
you're going to get people through the door. And that's what we've been really fortunate with. So, and people seem to like us at the moment until someone opens up next door and does it better or, or bigger or whatever. <laughs> yeah, at the moment, we're, we're definitely in the right spot, I think. And were you surprised by that, you know, when you said you didn't know who was going to come in the door when you first opened? Um, when you first opened, did people come in the door? Yeah, they definitely did. And people have given us lots of positive feedback. Um, and, you know, uh, we've heard some criticisms as well. We definitely consider our space to be a work in progress, but generally, um, yeah, I mean, the, the, the people that have come through our, our, our typical clientele are just really, really nice, easygoing people. They're awesome. They're, our punters are amazing. And I'm incredibly appreciative of that because, um, you know, if you're in the business of drinking establishments, there are inherent issues that you can come across, uh, especially when it comes to handling customers drinking excessively and that sort of thing. And and our our customers are great. Like it's it's it makes it uh, a lot more fun for us to be operating this place when you've got people that sort of get it and don't don't overstep the line and um, you know are courteous to the other customers around them and that kind of thing makes it makes a huge huge difference yeah i'm gonna uh, <clears throat> on that positive note i'm gonna ask a negative question now and what some of the criticisms you guys get i think that the main criticism has been that our beers are too safe um, okay. so uh, at, uh, you know from the pointy end of craft people say well yeah we yeah, it's okay it's a bit boring blah 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 but we're catering to our customers and i don't think anyone can be um can criticize us for doing that and you know if that means that we have to make delicious beers that are incredibly approachable and easy drinking then so be it um uh I, as a brewer, and I think Steve would agree, that um, I, I have no problems about brewing beers that other people want to drink and and taste good. And if that's what people want want from us, then we're going to provide that. So, so what have you got on tap on at the moment? Then give us a, an insight to what how safe you guys are. <laughs> okay, so um, they are safe, but. There are still interesting quirks to a lot of our beers. So on tap at the moment, we've got Honey I Shrunk, the Northeast IPA. So the trendy New England style of cloudy, juicy IPA in a small package. So it's 3.3% alcohol, um, but it carries a lot of hop character and the staples of that Northeast IPA style. We've got Cream Ale, which is always on, except when it runs out, but it's always on pretty much. <laughs> Um, we've got Euro Pale, which is our Belgian pale ale. Uh, so it's an interesting one. It's fermented with Belgian, a Belgian ale strain and a British ale strain at the same time. Um, and so it's got a very interesting yeast profile. So fruity esters. Um, it's got a little bit of malt to it and a small dry hop with Czech Saz. Uh, so it's quite a complex beer, but drinks pretty easy. Uh, we have got our Amber Lager, which we've been tasting now, which is called Brookston. Um, we've got varying iterations of that beer that we are going to be putting out into the trade uh, with coffee additions. Um, not on tap at the moment, but stuff that we're working on. Are we going to taste it on the weekend at Thingo? Yes. Yeah, cool. 
So three ravens uh, on the mend, on the bend and on the mend, uh, coffee and beer fest is getting Brookston, Guatemala. Um, Well, they already have it. Actually, I dropped it off there today. So that is single origin Guatemalan coffee um, from Red Bean Coffee Roasters who are just, you know, a stone's throw from us. They're they're a one minute walk around the corner Um, in that's gone into our amber lager. We have only HPA 035 on tap. So that is a series of single hot pale ales that we've been brewing, the only series. So each beer is is the same base recipe. Uh, So that's our American style pale ale. Every iteration has a new hop varietal introduced. So HPA 035 is an experimental hop from Hop Products Australia. Uh, We've done Ella, we've done Bitter Gold, and the next one in tank that's going to be coming out soon is Denali. So only Denali will be the next one. It's an, a new, new-ish American hop. We have got Citrachi IPA on tap. That is a collaboration beer we did with West City, uh, Gypsy Brewers based in Footscray. And they came in and made this beer and concept with us. So it is a dry, pale IPA with citra and sriracha ace uh hops so citrusy hops and also we threw in some citrus peel uh, into that beer as well which melds nicely into the hop profile we have got waimatu ipa on tap which is a new zealand hopped ipa two hop combo waimea and kohatu Uh, that is dry pale west coast style um delicious and that's it at the moment. So it's not safe in that room. Like it's not like, <laughs> look, you know what I mean? Like it's not like. They're clean. It's not like they drink easily. It's not like I look at that as a beer geek and come want, in. You know, if you want, you know, your hop bomb, then you can have it. If you don't like hops, you don't have to have hops. If you want malt, you can get some malt. If you want yeast, you can get some yeast. We've got, you know, a really interesting rye pail. Uh, a rye beer in the tanks at the moment. Uh, we've got a really interesting sour beer in the tanks at the moment. So we're definitely tinkering. Uh, They're all yeah. beers that I want to drink, though. Sometimes mm. when you go to a 20 tap place that's all extreme, there might be two or three that I want to try. So, the rest so what we don't have at the moment is 10% Belgian quadruple or Russian Imperial Stout or triple IPA. Um, but we're moving into winter, so we will. How would that go in your in your brew house? Um, it'll be more of a challenge, definitely. Um, it'll be a volume thing. Uh, I'll be constrained with the amount of actual beer that I can get from the grain, just because my 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 mash tun's pretty small. But you know, that's fine. If we have slightly less of it, it means that it moves moves quicker, and then something else comes in behind it. So yeah, does that it, help out with the fact that you haven't had a bigger beer through your tap house uh, and then you can do it with a smaller volume of it potentially? Uh, absolutely. The biggest beer we have had, we had a, an IPA um, which was uh, mid-sevens. So we, we have been up there, but we we will go higher definitely for the winter. I think it's, it's the right time of the year to do it. So We'll brew a batch of beer, throw it into some barrels, then brew another batch of beer and then blend them together and then have a big batch of boozy beer. 
Cool. <laughs> Big That's a good plan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have any more questions, Dave? Uh, what about good? What's happening? Good beer week for you guys. So we're doing a, <laughs> a really fun event. Um, funnily enough, which is similar to the Three Ravens event this weekend, uh, it's called Beer Espresso. So our event is on May thirteenth. That's a Saturday. There's an early session and a late session. Um, we are hosting seven other breweries and eight coffee roasters. So effectively, including ourselves, there's eight local Melbourne-based breweries teaming up with a coffee roaster each, and everybody's making a coffee beer. It's going to be a lot of fun. So a $39 ticket gets you a taster of each beer and each coffee, and then people can sort of go from there if they want to. Bounce off the walls wide to the main. That'd be great. (laughs) We've been fortunate enough to source a Starward barrel for our iteration of coffee beer. Um, So again, with Red Bean around the corner, we've taken a single origin Brazilian uh, varietal uh, green bean. So it's unroasted. Um, It's an unroasted coffee bean called Bom Jesus, and that's gone into the Starward barrel. So we're aging a porous green coffee bean in the Starward in a, in a wet whiskey barrel. We're rolling it up and down the brewery when we're closed. And then we're going to give that a light roast and use that in our beer. Awesome. So it, sounds it like should, fun. Be, yeah. should be pretty interesting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. so it's yeah. a, a barrel-aged coffee in beer, not a barrel-aged beer with coffee. So yeah, something oh, a bit different. Yeah. yeah, fun. Anything else for Good Beer Week? Uh, that's it. We're just going to have that event here and try and do it well um, and make it big. Yeah, and, it's the first time our venue is going to be around for Good Beer Week. Yeah. So we wanted to make sure that whatever we did, we're going to do it well. Um, first time we're organizing our own event. So we, we could have done something every night of the week, I guess. But at the same time, we didn't want to dilute our offering. So we wanted to drive people towards one big thing. And... Um, that's not the kind of event you can do every night of the week. If we were trying to coordinate herd, you know, it's like herding sheep trying to coordinate 16 different entities into an event. Um, you know, that's a lot of work. So we're putting a lot into it and hopefully it'll be amazing and we'll see how it goes. But, you know, you wouldn't. Yeah, it's too much work to do that for like seven nights of good beer week. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> and it's, just, yeah. it's just us. It's just Tallboy and Moose. So you know, yeah, you don't we're, we're going to run this as well as trying to do all of that as well. So yeah. Looks like we're back. We are back. Now we've got some recommendations. Who wants to kick this baby off? Let's go with Dan. Uh, so beer-wise... Um, I was uh, very fortunate to go to a hawker's party uh, last weekend and they were pouring double IPA and it is tasting sensational. So I can heartily recommend you go out and find that one. Out and about in bottles at the moment. It is, yeah. Melbourne and I think some in New South Wales. Yes, I think that's about it though. Yeah, There's you not get the feeling it won't last that long. So snap them up. Yeah, mm. definitely. Mm. Steve, give us a beer recommendation. Um... I'm going to cheat and do a 
double beer recommendation. Jeebus. So local beer that everyone can find is Hop Nation Mango Goza. Really, really delicious. In cans. Little mm-hmm. sour beer in cans um, with very punchy mango character. If you don't um, like mango, you're probably not going to like it. But if you like mango. <laughs> correct. Yeah. That is very, very true. Um, the other recommendation I was going to throw out there that's probably uh, less easy to source is Bellwoods. So this is a small brew pub in Toronto um, that's making really, really, really awesome beer that you don't really hear about in Australia. What sort of stuff are they making? Uh, they do a lot of barrel-aged stuff. They play a, with a lot of sour stuff and they do a lot of hoppy stuff. So their classic flagship is called Witch Shark. Uh, Witch and Shark put together. So that's their double IPA. Um, one of my favorite beers that I've ever had there is called Brettlehead. And that is a Brett fermented pale ale, dry hopped, I think. So fairly clean, but a little bit of Brett character and really, really nice uh, hop overtones. What? How do you spell it? Is it Bellwood, did you say? Bellwoods. So B-E-L-L Woods. Awesome. Yep. It's a good one. Uh, I think it's our first Canadian beer recommendation. Could well be, yeah. Hmm. What do you got? Uh Last show with Brendan, mm-hmm. we had Thornbury Lager Tins and it was great. So I think they're out and about now pretty much all over Vic, mm. I believe. Mm. Pretty uh, line and length. Um, what was it? Pills are yeah. Czech pills. Yeah. Uh, very dry, dry but so good. Um, I had one walking around the brewery just out of the can. It was perfect. Get on it. Uh, I'm not sure when that show is going to come out. I went to finish editing it, so maybe it'll be out. Next week. Well, whatever we'll show it, it is, yeah. yeah. Um, how about you? Good one. Uh, I've completely forgotten now. Oh, yeah. Um, Hargreaves Hill. Uh, they're just putting out some quite a few new beers lately mm-hmm. and they've kind of been flying under the radar, but they've always made really good beers. And they've put out a small sour ale. I think it's a dry hop berliner. Um, I can't remember if they call it small sour or small ale. It's really good. I think we had it at Crepe and Grain. Does that sound right? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, it was yeah, good. Really nice. Just a really good, easy drinking beer uh, and, and really interesting to see a brand that, you know, they're famous for their ESB and their stout and they're also putting out some, some really interesting beers. Particularly lately, the last yeah. few have been pretty high quality. Yeah, I think people should pay more attention to what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Let's go for non-beer. Dan, what do you got? Um, well, being a relatively new dad, I'm always struggling to find things to do with my 18-month-year-old son. So um, something that was very cool was I got a membership to Melbourne Museum and the children's gallery there is a kick-ass. So if you've got small kids, just get a membership, go there. It's worth every penny. Good recommendation. That is great. Yeah, I like it. Steve, what do you got? Congratulations, by the way. Thank you very much. Thank you. (laughs) My recommendation is Mexican Breakfast by way of an awesome cafe in Coburg called True North. So breakfast quesadilla is really, really good. And they do a bottomless cup of batch brewed coffee. So if you're into batch brewed coffee and lots of it. That is a pretty strong yeah. what, 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 what's, what's in the breakfast quesadilla? Uh, well, cheese, eggs, and other stuff. <laughs> Delicious stuff. <laughs> <works for me. laughs> I bet there's, there's got to be some guacamole in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. there's some other Mexican flavors mixed in. Yeah, um, They had multiple quesadillas there one was lunch one was breakfast they were both good 
and um, in general, really cool little cafe. Um, it's got a very interesting kind of punk rock ethos. They've got their walls are covered with all kinds of uh, kitschy stuff. So it's just kind of entertaining, good people watching, good service, good food, good coffee. It's kind of what you need. Sounds good. True North in Coburg. Yeah. Good one. Dave? Uh, I'm also going to have a membership-related uh, recommendation. AFL season's just started. If you're a supporter, become a member. Support your clubs. You'll get whatever you do. It's three games, 11 games, doesn't matter. There's no experience better than going to the footy live. Come on, Luke. Uh, I'm not a member, so I feel like you're telling directly about right. I was, I was, yeah. You just won a grand final. Yeah, no, back. I, now this is going to seem like I'm jumping on the bandwagon. Um, I'm going to recommend another podcast. I recommended a podcast in our last show uh, called The Missing Richard Simmons. I think uh, today you sent me an email. It was a formal withdrawal of a I'm recommendation. I'm withdrawing that recommendation. Yeah. Listen to the first two episodes and then never think about it again. <laughs> you know how like the television show Heroes just became the biggest pile of garbage of all time? Basically that in podcast form. So I'm going to redeem myself and recommend S-Town by the guys that do Serial. And it's kind of like a serial spinoff. Basically a guy gets an email from a, another guy in the deep south um, who says there's a lot of weird things going on in my town and over about a year and a half of correspondence with this person in this town, he ends up going to investigate uh, what's going on there and quite a story unfolds. I don't want to spoil it. Wow. It's seven episodes. I'm up to the last one. They've all come out in one go so you can just binge, which I've done. Um, it's a lot of fun. Highly recommend it. Good recommendation. And I know that yeah. it's good till the end because I'm on the last one. Like, <laughs> like missing Richard Simmons. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everyone. Um, if people want to find Tallboy and Moose uh, physically and also on the, the internet, where do they do that? Physically, we're at 270 Raglan Street in Preston. On the internet, you can find us at uh, www.tallboyandmoose.com, uh, on Facebook under Tallboy and Moose, and Instagram and Twitter at Tallboy and Moose. Awesome. Very Easy. good. Dave? You can find me on Instagram at, on Twitter at MelbDave. Send me an email at daveatalvertime.com. Send us some news from outside Melbourne, please. That'd mm. be nice. Mm. Send us a recommendation. We can only Melbourne. research so much. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you can find me, Luke, at alvertime.com, at alvertime everywhere. Also, uh, Hypothepod for our hypothetical. How's sorry, it going? Hypothetical Institute conspiracy podcast. It's good. Some uh, good conspiracies being unpacked. Must listen. Yeah, must listen. All Excellent. Right. Thanks, guys. Really enjoyed it. Appreciate it. Thanks for Thank having you. us.